We believe. Do you believe? I'm not buying it. Sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, whoo. That's like a shock to the nervous system. We all need that every once in a while. But those are not just words to a song we sing in this church. We believe Jesus died. He came up from the grave. He is alive in you and in me. Amen? And he's alive in this place. And he is breathing life in this place. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, behold, I'm doing something new. Can you perceive it? We need to have our eyes open. We need to understand that the Lord is always at work, especially when we don't feel him working. When we don't sense his presence, that's when he's closest. Amen to that. Because that's the truth of his word. The Lord is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful when we are faithless. He is our God, and this is the God that we worship every Sunday morning. And sometimes we have to just, we gotta worship until we break through. Anyone know what I'm talking about? When, I, when I'm feeling really heavy, and I have been lately, I have to go to the piano, and I just need to play, and it doesn't matter what I'm playing, and I just need to turn my heart towards God and worship him, and just worship the Lord. I don't have to be singing a song, I don't have to even be singing a melody. I'm just playing, and I've turned my heart toward God. That's what I have to do to worship the Lord, to break through. You've got to find out what that is. If that means getting in the Word, get in the Word. Find a breakthrough. But turn your heart toward the Lord and worship Him. We need to worship the Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. It's just a question of when. And I choose now. I choose to worship the Lord now in the midst of my heaviness, right? In the midst of my confusion. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. It's really cold in here, isn't it? Like, I was, I'm not kidding you. I was literally doing push-ups over there before I came out. And it wasn't to get a pump before I come on stage, I promise. I was like, I'm like shivering. I'm like, Lord, I got to preach. And I'm like shaking. It's not because I'm scared either. <laughs> or am I? Well, today we're going to go back to the beginning. Does that sound good? Shall we? Anyone curious about what I'm talking about? Have I piqued anyone's interest? We're going to go back to the beginning. You know, curiosity killed the cat. I don't know exactly what that means, but that's what they say. <laughs> kind of like this. gets old. 
can watch that video over and over and over again, and it never gets old. It's my, it's my two little girls' favorite video, by the way. Curiosity killed the cat. Well, I'm going to get right to it, so we're not curious anymore. Uh, we're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to look at what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. And we've looked at it so many times. If you've walked with the Lord, you know the story, you know how it goes. But I think there's some more truth that we can, we can get today from the Lord as he, as he reveals. And I know he's been, he's been knocking on my door with all of this. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3 in verse 1. Genesis chapter 3 in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Right, so he's already planting this seed, right? He is bringing this shred of doubt into play. You know, sin didn't enter the world when Eve ate the fruit. It happened actually before that. It's when she believed the lie. That's where it started. And you know what? I don't think it was an apple. Does it say anywhere in the Bible that it was an apple? Because everyone's always saying, when Eve ate the apple, and I'm like, that's an exegetical fallacy. <laughs> and it's borderline heretical. Those are two big words you might want to look up. But what I do know is the fruit that she ate of is probably not going to be in heaven because it was from the tree, right? The knowledge of good and evil, and we know there's no evil in heaven, I'm really praying the Lord helps me to speak today because I've been faced with a lot of resistance, a lot of spiritual warfare been going on in my life, in my home. We're real here in this church, right? Well, spiritual warfare is a very real thing, so pray for this preacher. Amen? I had a pastor who would have his, his wife stand up before He's a, he's a great, he's a great guy. Uh, his wife would stand. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need her to pray for this preacher. Sister Vicki, please stand and pray. She'd stand up. Lord Jesus, we pray for him, Lord, that you be with him, that you would give him downloads and words from, from another planet. <laughs> she literally said that in one of the services. I was like, amen, that's, that's a prayer. <laughs> the Lord hears her heart. You know, we have all these unanswered questions in life, right? And we want the answers now. <laughs> we do. Like, we say, oh, I have faith. I hold on to God. No, the truth is I want to know what is going on right now, God, because I'm really confused. I feel no direction. I can't, I can't even figure out what I'm doing next. Please help me. And I actually had a friend in college. We were uh, theologically debating and uh, he said, when I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to walk right up to Adam. I'm going to punch him in the face. <laughs> because it's his fault. This is all his fault. Not Eve. He said Adam. He's like, and I've got all these questions for God, you know. And I thought, well, first of all, no. You're, you're not going to punch Adam in the face, okay? Because there's no violence in heaven either. No pain, no suffering. And secondly, there's no questions that are going to need answering when we get to heaven. Because I believe it's gonna be this massive download, kind of like on The Matrix. Watch this. Can you fly that thing? Not yet. 
Operator. Tank, I need a pilot program for a B-212 helicopter. Hurry. Let's go. So good, right? You can see her eyes fluttering, you know, she, she got the download. And that's the way it's going to be when we get to heaven. We won't have any more questions. All of our questions will be answered. Right? The Bible says, this is, you can go there if you'd like. In 1 John 3, verse 2, it says, Dear friends, now we are all children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And when you hear the words of the Apostle Paul in the love chapter, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we always think about love is patient, love is kind. When you go towards the end of the chapter, he really gets in deep. He starts talking about how now we only see a distorted image, right? It's like looking in a mirror that's all cracked. It's like another translation says holding up a glass in front of your face, right? Like a dinner glass and trying to look and see what's on the other side of it. But on the day of redemption, when all things are revealed, we will see clearly, and the Bible says in that same passage that we will fully know even as we are fully known. Amen? Every every unanswered question will be answered on that day. Life can be so confusing, so many unanswered questions. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace among the saints, right? Order among the saints. He's a God of order. We're really gonna dig, we're gonna dig in here and get some clarity because I, I know God's doing something new today. I can feel it. Let's go to Mark chapter nine. All right, Mark chapter nine. We're gonna start in verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So Jesus is pretty frustrated right now because he had performed miracle after miracle and he's like, maybe a little bit of the humanity was coming out, okay? He's like, when are you gonna get it? Like, I'm the real deal. (laughs) I'm the healer. I've done it before. I'll do it again. And he's probably really frustrated with his disciples too because they were the ones that walked the closest with him. And they'd seen miracle after miracle. And they'd performed miracles. But there was this doubt. And it was really ticking Jesus off. You know, and just think, you know, I think about the people of Israel. This is us. We're God's chosen people, amen? We are. We may not be Israelites, but we're God's chosen people. And I think about how they saw this great miracle of God when he parted the Red Sea, right? He delivered them from the Egyptians, right? 
and their enemies were destroyed before their very eyes. And just days later, they're wandering around, grumbling and complaining, right? They forgot what God, they had completely forgotten. In fact, they got pretty sarcastic with Moses at one point, right? Were there no graves in Egypt that you led us out here in the desert to die? Take us back, let us serve the Egyptians, right? And the Lord, the Lord our God in the Old Testament, he, he got pretty times, right? <laughs> and it was during that same time when he was booming from, from the top of the mountain, right? And I, I think it's in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 where the writer of Hebrews, no one wrote, knows who wrote Hebrews, references Deuteronomy, and it said, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. Our God is holy. He is holy and he is powerful and his wrath against sin is a real, real thing. But don't you thank God that Jesus stood in our place. The Bible says that he became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What God is pushing us towards in this new year, and I really feel strongly this, especially in my own life, is a pursuit of holiness. If there is no distinction between us and the world, we have no power to lead the lost. We are not that city on a hill. We don't radiate Christ when we allow sin to prevail in our lives, when we are casual about sin. Amen? And what happens, what happens is that's when the doubt starts coming in. If we're not steady for God, if we're not consistent, if we are wayward and we're all talking, you've, you've been preaching about this, and we're back and forth, there is no way that we can have the power that we need to reach the lost. This city is broken. My friend sitting back there, Corbin, the stuff that this man sees on a daily basis, the brokenness. I'm not even going to go into it. People need Jesus, man. And thank God for men like that. On the front line, man. Thank you, bro. I love you. Let's pick back up in Mark 9. We're going somewhere, I promise. So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Since he was a child, he answered. He has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, if you can... Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. You know, the, the, the boy's father was, was asking for two miracles, really. He was asking Jesus to deliver his son from the evil spirit. He was also asking him to help him, the father, overcome his unbelief. And don't we do that? Like, when we pray for ourselves, we pray that God delivers us from our situation, Right? but we feel the doubt at the same time. And so we're asking God, I think that's okay for us to pray that way. Don't you? Amen. I'm just gonna go away from this a little bit from what I had planned here. Um, obedience is a, is, a, is a very important thing if we're gonna follow Jesus, right? 
Bible says in, in uh, I believe it's John 15, 14, if you love me, you will obey what I command. That's what he said. And I believe that uh, when we are disobedient, when we uh, believe a lie, essentially like we talked about, and we begin to walk in disobedience, we've entered uh, the enemy's realm. See, we have the authority of Christ. If you said yes to Jesus, the Bible says in Ephesians 1, you have been marked with a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we are sealed in him and we have that authority and that authority is some serious authority. That power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's resurrection power. There's, there's nothing more powerful in the universe. It's the power of God. But what happens is when we uh, step out of, of that hedge, which we're gonna talk about in a second, when we step out of that covering that God has promised when we're walking in obedience and we go out on our own, we become exposed and the enemy will literally strip us of the authority that we have in God. And what he does at that point is he begins to operate under a counterfeit authority because the enemy has no creativity, right? All he does is copy. Everything he, I mean, even the concept of the Antichrist, it's all just copying, copying, copying. He's very good at what he does, right? The Bible says we, we should not be ignorant of his devices, but he has no creativity. And we are the ones with the authority. We relinquish it to him when we start going out on our own. Does that, does that make sense for anybody? Go ahead and pull up that, that clip, that Hawkins clip, so we, so we can get a better idea of what I'm talking pray about. Is, it, prayer, is a, prayer is a powerful thing, but I think it's when you grow up in church, it's just you hear prayers all the time in different styles and stuff, and little quirks that people have when they pray. I don't know, little phrases that I don't understand to this day. But we use the phrases, but we, we, that's just what we heard growing up. We think that's just the right thing to say when we pray, you know, like hedge of protection. You ever hear that? I hear that a lot, hedge of protection. Damn, we are praying a hedge of protection around you, buddy. That's right, a hedge. Mm -hmm. Around you and your whole family. A hedge, huh? I don't mean to complain, is that the best you can do? How about a thick cement wall? with some razor wire on top of that bad boy. Hedge protect, good set of clippers, get right through that thing. I'm sure the devil's got a set of those. I mean, you think a hedge is gonna scare the devil away? What is this greenery? I can't get through that. Move that bush. My greatest weakness is landscaping. How did they know? how the devil walks like this. Whoa. He has a pointy tail. He doesn't want to step on his tail. <laughs> and he talks like a game show host. Fantastic. You get the turtle wax. <laughs> Forget the last 30 seconds ever happened in your life. I know. <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, that hedge of protection, it's, it's a real thing though. You know, the Lord uh, has, has given us, the Bible says that, uh, Peter actually said this, that he shielded us with his power until the day of glory. But we, the shields go down, <laughs> okay? It's like Star Wars. Your shields are down. When we have uh, 
when we've done these three things, okay? Here's what they are. Number one, we believe a lie. Satan is a liar. He has been a liar since the beginning, like we talked about earlier. The Bible says in John 8 that he's the father of lies. And in fact, when he speaks, that is, that's his native tongue, lies. Number two, we agree with the enemy. So Satan will talk and talk and talk, right? <laughs> Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like you're thinking, like, I'm going crazy. And now it's probably the enemy at, at that point. It's whispering something in your ear, right? Angel on one shoulder, devil on the other. And he's, he's telling you this and that. And he, he talks long enough and you let him talk. Eventually, you're going to start agreeing with what he has to say. That's just the way it is. And that's why it, the mind, it's so important that we are understanding meditation and what that means. Okay? The mind is going to meditate on something. For me, lately, it has to be worship music. It has to. I'm not, I'm not condemning secular music at all. I love, there's a lot of secular music I love. But right now, in this season of my life, when those earphones are in, it's worship. Amen. It has to be. I, I listen to messages now. I never did that before. I've never been someone that, you know, the podcast thing, but I have to do it right now because I have to guard my, my mind, right? And I got to guard my heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23 that out of it flow the issues of life. It's the wellspring of life. We've got to guard our hearts and our minds going into this new year, church. We've got to guard ourselves. Man. We've got to have our guard up. We've got to be ready to go, right? Dukes. Let me see Dukes. All right. <laughs> and number three, we relinquish our authority. So we end up giving over this authority to the enemy, and that's when he just runs his game on us, right? You know, when I was growing up, I, I couldn't believe how easy it was. When I think back, how easy it was for the enemy to just run his game on me. I mean, it's so easy to do the wrong thing. And you know, you know what I'm talking about? When's the last time you had to teach a two-year-old to say no? It was my two-year-old, when Emma was two, it was her favorite word. It was no, 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 no. Everything was no. No. Come over here, Emma. No. Right? You know, I want to I wanna cross-reference uh, Mark 9 a little bit. When we're talking about evil spirits, you know. In Luke 11, verse 24, it says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man... It goes back and forth, to and fro. Another translation says, it looks for rest and it can't find it. And it goes back and forth throughout arid places or dry places. Looking for rest, it doesn't find it. Then it returns to the house that it came from. And it brings seven spirits more evil than itself, the Bible says. And the final condition of the man is far worse than, than he was basically to begin with, right? And this woman... Here's these words coming out of Jesus' mouth, and just she's so blessed by it. She says, blessed is the one who gave birth to you and nursed you. And she turned, he turned and looked at her and said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. If I were to make the choice to put a crack pipe in my hand again, it would kill me. Now, some of you don't know my story, but... The Lord delivered me from heroin and crack cocaine about 12 years ago, a little over 12 years ago. And I've been walking in disobedience 
for a long time. And it got to the point where it literally almost killed me. And if it wasn't for God's grace, I would not be even standing up here today. That's the truth. And yes, praise God. But if I were to ever open that door again, and I've talked to Danielle about it, I, I wouldn't make it back. And I want to speak to, to if, if you have a family member or a child that's in addiction, don't give up on them. Love them and pray for them. I know it's got to be a hard thing. I cannot believe that my wife stayed with me. I'm telling you what, man, what I put her through. So I get it. But love them and pray for them because God can do it. And he did it in my life. I remember, I'm not kidding you. I was literally, my heroin addiction had gotten so bad that I was taking uh, 45, 750 milligram Vicodin a day. Three times a day. I, I knew exactly how to do it so that I could not get dope sick. I know what addiction is. And God can do it. God can deliver. God can heal. That's, that's who he is. He's the God of restoration and redemption, man. He takes a despicable, ugly situation. He turns it into something beautiful. Just like Joseph said, you know, what the enemy intended, what we sing about that in that song, amen. What Satan intended for evil, God will use for good. So don't give up on that loved one. And it's not just addiction. The bondage is bondage. Right? Amen. I wanted to share a little story. Uh, this was when I was in Teen Challenge. Anyone know about Teen Challenge? So I was in Teen Challenge for 21 months uh, back in 2007. And God did an amazing work in my life. Like, he awakened me to so much. The drug addiction was just an outer symptom of something that was going on way deeper down in here. And uh, while I was there, I knew that God had a plan. I knew he brought me there, but I wanted to quit. <laughs> I really did. It's kind of a military uh, setup at that particular teen challenge in New England. And uh, I wanted to quit. And I started to doubt what I believed God had put in my heart to begin with. And so as time went on, I was about, I think I'd been in there about f almost five months. Um, the enemy sent somebody to take me off course. It was a little voice. <laughs> it was this guy who was also in the program, very bitter person, uh, always talking bad about the leaders behind their backs. And he just was enamored with me. He, the guy just, he adored me. And he'd follow me around, he'd ask me questions. He was a sharp guy too, real sharp, uh, in his mid-50s. And uh, knew the word. Man, did he know the word. I mean, like, I couldn't believe how much this guy knew the Bible. And so he would walk around at night, and he'd just pace around. And he'd say, like, as he'd come by, he'd say another name of God. He'd be like, Elohim. Come back around. El Shaddai. You know, he'd do that all night long. I was like, what in the world? Well, one night he walked over to my, we had a bunk bed set up, and I had this exit light right by my bunk bed, which is, I'm so grateful for, because no one else in the room had light, and that's how I got into God's word during that season, was from that exit light right by my bed. God is good. He's so good. 
So he walks over and uh, he says, why are you here? He says, your family knows that you're sorry for what you did. Just, you know, your wife needs you. That's what he starts saying to me. Your wife needs you. Go home. Be with your wife. They know you're sorry. You've, you've paid your dues, you know. And then he starts telling me this story about uh, how he drove. This was not part of the message, by the way. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> he drove this van for the drug awareness team for Teen Challenge. So, you know, you see the Teen Challenge guys that are out in front of stores sometimes taking donations. What a wonderful ministry. If you ever see them, that's a good one to give to. So he would drive the guys around and drop them off for the day. So they'd be at a Walmart or whatever. So he drove a lot of miles. So he told me that when he was driving with one of the leaders, the leader let him uh, rest down by uh, this beach. I guess there was a dock. And, and uh, he said that he saw an angel. He starts telling me the story about an angel that he had a conversation with the angel. He knows it was an angel. And he, he really, like, I was like, wow. And let me tell you what, I was convinced. And by the end of the conversation... I was, I was going to leave Teen Challenge. I am dead serious. I was going to leave Teen Challenge, and I had been reading my Bible that night in Colossians chapter 2. And I just so happened to not be able to sleep after this guy uh, got done talking to me. So what did I do? I picked my Bible back up. And all I did was pick up where I left off. That's all I did. I wasn't looking for anything from God at all. God revealed, and this is what it said. I'm going to read it to you. Right now. Bear with me, okay? All right. Colossians, I was in chapter 2. And all I did was literally pick up on the next verse that I left off on. Okay? Because I was just absolutely consuming the Bible when I was in Teen Challenge. I'd never read that much scripture or memorized that scripture for that matter in my life. And it says this, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Okay. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen. And his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together, by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. I mean, what a, that was the first time that God ever spoke directly to me. And you know what he was saying? He said, I had a plan for you. I brought you to Teen Challenge to finish. And you need to trust me. And it was, it was sealed. That was it. I, I knew that I wasn't leaving Teen Challenge. And that guy ended up actually getting dismissed from the program. It was a short time after that. What am I saying? I'm saying God has a plan. And we need to trust him. There is no way that we uh, can hear the voice of God if we're not walking in obedience. It's the truth. And I'm telling you, I'm preaching to me first about this. If we're being disobedient, we, we can't hear his voice. The only good things that happen are because of God's faithfulness when you're being disobedient. Let me say that again. When people walk in disobedience and they still see things that are good happening around them, the only reason why that's happening is because of God's faithfulness. God is not going to bless disobedience. This is an awesome church. Yes. Amen. Amen. Amen? This is an awesome, beautiful church with a powerful pastor leading it. Yes. 
great man of God, and I know him. He's my friend, and I know his heart. And we have an opportunity to reach this city. But we've got to get right, man. We've got to make sure that we're right going into the, the next year. We need, there needs to be a real pursuit of holiness in our lives. Now, the enemy is knocking on our door all the time, right? <laughs> and what we do is often we just justify or rationalize or minimize at times. When the enemy's knocking, we need to, or when the, the Lord is knocking, we need to let him in. We can't harden our heart. We need to be obedient to that conviction. You know, when God's pr pricking your heart and you're like, ah, this is not, I know I shouldn't be doing this or shouldn't be watching this or, or whatever it is. And he speaks differently to, diff to everybody. You're, what you're convicted about, I might not be. Maybe I should be, you know what I'm saying? But when God convicts us, we can't harden our hearts because God wants to take us to the next level. Every one of us, individually and as a church. And that is how we're going to reach this city, man. Amen. And let's... So, I want to do this, but I want to help Pastor John um, about how we're going to do this because we didn't talk this through. But, I, I mean, what better way to go into the new year than to get right with God again? You know what I mean? And come on, let's be real. None of us are right with God. We all fall short. We can always be in a better place with God and we can always be more like Jesus, amen? So for us to say, oh no, I don't need to pray. I don't, I don't need forgiveness. That's not true. We all do. You know, I mean, what did Job do? Job prayed a prayer basically of covering in case his children sinned. <laughs> he didn't even know if he did, but he wanted to be sure. So you want to help me with this, Pastor John? I have some prayer time. And, yeah, that's great. That's great, Maddie. Keep playing. It's beautiful. And uh, maybe we can have the prayer partners or however you see it, Pastor John. But uh, we, need to get, we need to get right, and we need to get ready for this next year. The New Year's resolutions, right? We all have them. What better one than to say, Lord, I'm going to pursue you like never before. I'm going to pursue holiness. I'm going to walk in obedience. Because we love you, right? That's why we obey the Lord. If you love me, you obey what I command. Amen. Maybe uh, he said, stir, you know, God stirs our heart. Maybe you don't want to wait till you go home. <laughs> we know our own depravity. We know that if we leave this place, um, sometimes there's a, there's a work that God wants to do in a specific location at a specific time. And by the way, we didn't do this first service, so I'm trusting the Holy Spirit. See, we're trying to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, you know what God does? He, look, he sees our plans and he laughs. He laughs. Oh, sweet child. He has a plan. And, and for someone, maybe you're visiting, maybe you'll never come back to this church. Maybe we've offended you so thoroughly you'll never come back. But maybe there's just some work God wants to do in your heart. Maybe you're uh, just in a place where your heart's ready. So would you just, would you just, just bow your heads just for a moment. And so often we, we give people an opportunity to accept Christ. But I believe what God is saying today through the Holy Spirit is that he wants to give an opportunity to come back to Christ, to rededicate lives, 
to re- renew faith, to renew hope in Christ. Maybe you've been limping along this, this, um, this past year. You've maybe been on spiritual cruise control and you just, maybe, maybe, maybe you've been running from God or maybe just going through the motions as checking the box, coming to church and saying some prayers and your heart's good, you have good intentions, but you're just not where you know God wants you to be and that's okay, there's grace. But grace doesn't exempt us from trying. Grace doesn't exempt us from acknowledging we need help. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, you know what, today, I just, I just want to renew my faith. I want to rededicate my life. I want to run back to a God who's been standing there with open arms the whole time. And you feel like, man, this is, this is something God wants me to do. Then with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just slip up your hand just right now? Just slip it up. If that's you, slip it up before the enemy talks you out of it. He's good at that. Pastor Matt already covered that. Amen, 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 amen. Just go ahead and put your hand down. A lot of folks raise their hand. I just want to. I just want to pray over you. But come into agreement. In the same way you can come into agreement, like Pastor Matt talked about with the lie of the enemy. Come into agreement with the truth that I'm about to speak over your life. Come into agreement with words you need to say, words you need to believe. And remember, not just saying those words. Coming into agreement means it takes root in your soul. You believe it. You possess it. You own it. And so as I, as I pray, come into agreement. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people that are your people. Sometimes we forget we are yours. We act as though we are under the ownership sometimes of, uh, of the enemy or for someone who's controlled by the enemy. We are yours, God. We are your children. We are loved by you. You left heaven to be with us. And so, God, I just thank you in the strong name of Jesus Christ that your power will be felt in this place and that the accuser will be exposed once and for all for who he is. And for those of us that have come into agreement with the lie in the name of Jesus Christ, we renounce the enemy. We renounce those uh, words that, that we believed. We repent for our unbelief because to come into agreement with the enemy implies that we cannot believe that you are greater and that you can deliver us. We, we repent for that, God, and we come into agreement with you and your word and what you say about us. You say we're loved. You say we're your masterpiece. You say we're more than conquerors. You say through you we can do all things through Christ. We believe, God. We believe like we sang about that we are your children. And so cover us with your spirit and let us live as children of the Most High God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for doing great things in this year that is to come. I pray that we bring in the new year more powerfully than ever. When that ball drops, something's already occurred more powerful than this world could ever know. The Holy Spirit has dropped in us and it is powerful. God, help us live the lives you've called us to live. Help us come into agreement with your word, your truth, as you have spoken it. We thank you. Thank you for the, the word that uh, Pastor Matt brought today for us. God, thank you for our church, and thank you for the great things that you're going to do in this year to come as we say yes to you and believe what you say about us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
I mean, can we give God praise? Come on. Just praise him. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Thank you, Pastor Matt. And listen, if you need prayer, we're going to have our our, our prayer partners as well as uh, the elders of this church. We would love to pray with you. I know we got a lot of folks going through a lot of stuff. And so if you're going through something, man, let us pray with you. We want to journey with you. Uh, We'll see you back next week. The visitors, we'll see you next year. I know some families in next year. We'll see you in a year. And uh, we got some visitors over here. We'll see you in a year. But for the rest of us, let's be back here next week. Let's commit to January to being in church and commit to living resolute lives. It doesn't come easy. It comes through faithfulness and commitment. Amen? We'll see you back here next week. God bless. Have a great week.